1: You know, we all have a to-do list. There's lots of stuff on it. You've got to get your dry cleaning. You've got to get your milk. Here's an idea. Put, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance on your to-do list. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com. In 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance, extra money in your pocket. It may be the most rewarding thing you do today.
2: Now, Podcast One brings you Spikes Car Radio. A downloadable Cars and Coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast,
1: Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Welcome to Spike's Car Radio, everybody. We're here on a Wednesday. We're happy to be with you. I'm here in the studio with Zuckerman. Uh, We have Paul Boutros uh, coming on a little bit later. He's going to be bringing, uh, he's from Phillips Watches. He was here once before he brought the Paul Newman watches. Yes. Beautiful watches, set a record with that watch that has now been broken apparently by How? some sort of Phillips. no, what was it? There was a Patek Philippe auction watch a couple weeks ago that went off – you'll know this – uh but Swiss dollars. Is that the equivalent to U.S. dollars? What is that, Zuckerman? You're I, have no, I have no <laughs>
2: idea. I actually think it's close to – it may be worth more. I don't know. I can't believe – do you believe that? Uh, well, no,
1: I don't have to believe in it. And it's factual. Oh. Hodinki reported it, and yeah, I do. It was one of these auctions, apparently, where the, every manufacturer does a one-off, right? And they put one out, and the billionaire guys show up, and they all buy the watch. Now, Matt Farah kind of cynically said this is a kind of a backdoor way to a big tax break, i.e. you pay $30 million for the watch, you get the charitable donation, and then you, on the Schneid, sell the watch kind of privately, (laughs) get some more money back. But I do know that all those sales, yeah, they have to be legit. It's a really cool auction. I mean, if you got that kind of money to burn. And anyway, the Patek Philippe set the world record and they put it out there as this is the most expensive watch sold. Anyway, back to Boutros. He's coming in with, uh, I know one of the, oh, here they are. Uh, Marlon Brando's Apocalypse Now Rolex GMT Master. <laughs> Why do
2: we laugh about that? <laughs> because, Why is that funny?
1: Because of Brando. Uh, yes. <laughs> right. There might be mashed
2: potatoes on the watch or something like that. <laughs> the and horror. Then, the horror. That should be uh, I, I would, would be want great. that I
1: love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Arclight. Um, Arclight. The Jack and, and the Jack Nicklaus Rolex Day Day. Nicklaus. Nicklaus. Yeah. Jack Nicklaus. But he's... Uh, but so some cool watches. He'll be on in a little bit. In the meantime, I thought, well, how are we going to fill the front half of the show? Because I'm not sure we can fill the whole half with two watches. And uh, I asked our listeners, Zuckerman, if they had any legal questions. We've been talking about doing this for about six or seven months. Having the listeners throw out either car-related or regular legal questions, and you and I will uh, Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla it, for for lack of a better – I would be the Adam Carolla. You would be the actual qualified guy, kind of. I'm not Uh, sure – I'm the voice of reason in this case? Well, you're the voice of the law. Oh, right. yes. And I don't even think any of these questions are really in the area of law that you cover, but maybe some will be. And you can either give advice or or but I can be like
2: Drew when I can just sound knowledgeable about.
1: I think you always sound knowledgeable about the law. Right. Even when you're saying this isn't my area, but here would be this would be my opinion. Right? Does that sound good? I like the way that sounds. Do we need to? Splings. Do we need to uh, add any disclaimers? Oh, no. <laughs> Let's just go.
2: <laughs> no, like anything like, I say should not be. I'll say what I know and what I don't know. Right. And generally, I know a lot less than I do know. I think you know a lot. I've I... heard you say a
1: lot of very smart things. About, you know, like I said to you uh, when we were talking about even doing this, uh, or no, maybe it was the nine nine two debate show. Yes. I was saying, you're, you're dead wrong about how to pronounce Porsche, but you made a very good argument, and I almost believed you, but then I didn't. But it showed me your talent for making arguments in a courtroom. Yes. Not that we're doing that today. All right, here we go. You ready? Yeah. Here's the first question. Uh, Mini, and you haven't looked at any of these, right? I haven't no, either. No, so I'm forgive me. I'm just going to go by the top comments that people like. Um, Minnie and Max Pugs, you know those folks. They're, they're not Steve Levy. Not Steve Levy. Um, what's going to happen to the auto industry? Insurance industry in the age of self driving cars, won't all liability rest with the manufacturer? And what will that mean
2: for UPI lawyers? Ah. That's a very that's a very, very good question, one that we debate all of the time. However, you know I, I think that automatic cars will lead to a whole new field of liability. Yes, the manufacturers will always be blamed because they're just another target. They're just another deep pocket. And people- And and blamed because perhaps like the Tesla- Yeah, it didn't work right. It it didn't work right. But but then Tesla's always going to say this driver error. It'll just be another defendant to exploit. And I think that as I told you there was a I know a guy who had a Tesla it was in self driving mode he had an accident he complained that the car malfunctioned the insurance company repaired the car but then would not insure it again because of the claim of malfunction <laughs> and then he being a lawyer had to actually sue the insurance company to wow. get them to extend coverage so that one little initial kind of a thing, said, my God, there's going to be all sorts of litigation about these cars. And so
1: well, what does he end up doing? So he says his car is pretty much a lemon, right? Well, he said it
2: malfunctioned in this case. Well, fair right. enough. So now it can't be registered. Now it's, he, it's done. Well, no. He ended up getting insurance on it, but it's, it shows that there's a predicament because yeah. every time you come up with a solution, there's an unintended consequence. So now we're going to have a solution, which is a self-driving car, which is going to take driver error out of the equation. Mm-hmm. The car clip crashes. The user, the driver, says that there was a malfunction in the car. Now... Now, the insurance company, lo and behold, says, we don't want to insure that thing. Now, I never would have thought about that right. beforehand. And now I'm looking at it and going, this is hilarious. This is, again, <laughs> the best best laid plans of mice and men. Right. So yeah. you're excited about it. There's, nothing is changing my business. <laughs> Where, until we go around in our own self-contained <laughs> bubbles, right. uh, we're going to be hurting each other. <clears throat> right. And the more we rely on other things... The more we take ourselves out of control, I think the more things happen. Really? Oh, yeah. So, machines are not the solution, Ferriston. Common sense, well, reasonable look, care.
1: I have to tell you, I, I'm not sure I agree. I use this iPhone, and it never um, malfunctions. Sure, they're just listening
2: to you all the time. <laughs> I'm every, joking. Every, every
1: yeah. electronic thing I have, including last night, listen, listen to last night. And this has happened to me twice in SUVs, and I'm not even going to say that it's the SUV's fault. I'm picking up my son at Little League, right? And I've got another kid in the car and gopher, and I go out to put money in the meter, and I leave the dog in there, and I leave the car running. And when I come back to open the door...
2: He's locked it. He's locked in. Yeah?
1: Yeah. And... And I and I and I don't blame the truck. This happened to me once in an Audi, where the Audi truck locked itself right. with the key in it, but it wasn't the car wasn't turned on. That was the Audi. That was an old Q8. This one, I'm like, it's never malfunctioned like that. I think little Gopher hit the, uh, the lock, lock button, sure. yeah, and he locked himself know. in. So we spent the better part of a half an hour trying to, you know, goad him to the right place to unlock it, which never happened. Then my wife, you know, who was leaving on a business trip. <laughs> <laughs> had came, with the came with the spare key. Came with the spare. Was not happy with me or the situation, or frankly, something I'd never done, which is leave a car running with a dog in it just to go put See? money in the meter for a split second, thinking the dog may run out
2: under a car. Right. So <clears throat> anyway. there is your there is your decision on with the interface of technology. But listen, it was just this is a illegal thing at all. But it's, I a, it's a
1: really interesting predicament because. Even when I had the other key, the door didn't want to open up. So now I've got a key in the car, a key out of the car, and the Range Rover is thinking – I'm going to protect the person inside or the dog inside the car because it hit the lock and it doesn't want this. And person. it's running. And it's you shouldn't be right. able to
2: open while the, from the outside while the car's eventually running. Eventually, it did. Yeah, eventually it did, but it didn't at first. And that really I command me. you for patience because I would have just bashed the window and have been done with it.
1: It was so funny to watch the dog and we had a couple of dads trying to get the dog and the kids were laughing. It was really a funny predicament and it was funny too that the wife was playing my role in the situation to coming to the rescue, right? Yeah, <laughs> which she did and she did a great job. And she was very sweet to do that, and she didn't yell at me, so it was nice. But, and the dog is out. Anyways, let's move on to other legal questions. On renting, uh, low-end garage in Chicago. On renting a car with Truro, what is the legality if I'm in an accident? My insurance agent uh, had no info for me. Truro offers varying levels of insurance, but selecting one of those negates the savings
2: versus a traditional rental company. Right. Exactly. So I have, I'm not familiar with these contracts. I would, so I'll preface this by saying I've never read the Truro contract. Right. I will speak from California insurance policies. Generally speaking, if you have your own policy of insurance with full coverage for your car, your policy says that you're covered in what's known as a substitute vehicle that's a rental car. As long as it's not a regular user car, like you can't just buy a car and say, well, it's a substitute car covered under my other policy. So if I get in a rental, my coverage that I have on my 911 applies to the rental car. The rental companies sell you extra insurance, and it's kind of, that's their gravy train. They're, you see, so, <clears throat> it, So in it, other right. words, I'm if I buy that extra insurance I'm actually I'm actually paying to change my risk that I was accepting on my own car so why not have the same risk level in a rental car as your own car? You don't need the extra insurance because it does take away your savings. That 15 bucks a day, that's gravy for the insurance company. Right, They're right. ripping you off. Right, and, uh, you know, on top of which a lot of credit cards cover you automatically. There's you some it. of that, too. Right. I've never really tested the credit card theory. I've never seen it in action, so I can't say if it works. But I would, again, say you've got to look at – and most times, by the way, the Truro policy will say that your own auto insurance is primary. So you pay for this extra coverage, <laughs> it's illusory. Your right. own insurance is going to be primary. Yes. They should be saying, "Can you, you want to give us some free money? Yes, exactly. How, we, we love to get
1: $15 free dollars a day if yes. you'd be happy to give it to us. Right. That's good. You know, no, a lot of he's clearing
2: up a big issue. A lot of the people that work at, say, Enterprise or some of these other rental agencies, they work on commission. So with the extras they, they sell oh, you, the they get a little piece. It's like the service tech at Ampco; he's actually on commission. Yeah, you know, you're, you don't realize you are going there to get your tranny fixed, and that guy's looking at you as a profit loss opportunity. Can he sell you some extra? Right. Yeah. Right. This Careful, guys. We're learning. We're yeah. learning. I like Truro, though. Good
1: company. We keep running into a lot of people out there. Listeners, if you want to come to L.A. and you don't have a cool car, you call up uh, or you go on to Truro.com. This is a free plug for Truro. They've got cool sports cars. You rent it for the day. Hoon them out in the canyons. Come see us in Malibu and... It's – every time we meet some fans doing that, they're always having a good day. They, the, the cars break down occasionally. They don't care. It's a good time. Who's owning these Truro cars? Does Truro they own independent they... Independent uh, people with cars. You could be a Truro guy if you wanted. You could put your collection on Truro. And just let anybody drive and the car. Just cars. let anybody, anybody. drive it. Yeah, why not? Why not? But if you're, like, let's say you're a guy in your 20s and you've got this car and you want to, you know – Help some get someone to pay for it, and you don't mind doing the maintenance or fixing the things they break. I think it's. I would
2: have done that when I was a kid. Let me tell you something. Then the question is, does my if I give my car to Truro, right? And somebody is driving it and And gets into an accident. Does my insurance mm. cover that? Now, some insurance policies are going to exclude commercial purposes. Now, I can lend my friend Spike Ferriston any one of my cars, mm-hmm. and, and he's covered. He's a, he is also an insured. He's a permissive user. Mm-hmm. But if I give it to Truro, and I'm and now in the business of renting out my car, it's a commercial purpose a lot of insurance companies are going to exclude that. So you, if you're going to give the car to Truro, you better make sure Truro has a policy that covers you. your car and right. covers you. Because your insurance company may come along and say, uh, we're not covering that loss. Yes. You and, were uh, that's your probably car- in the neighborhood of a $10 million policy, right? Yeah, I have it, no idea what they have. But I know that every so often if a guy drives I've, off uh, a cliff or I've seen guys who are using their car to deliver pizzas. And they get it, They get in an accident, and their insurance company says, we're not covering you. You're, we're using your car for commercial purpose." Right. So, in other words, you better be careful. You better know what you're getting covered for. Wow. If you're going to no you're you're be a person money, that gives their
1: car to Truro. Here's a good question. <clears throat> and you may not know it because it's kind of a criminal uh, moving violation type thing. Can one uh, uh, validly be given a moving violation by a police officer without actually being pulled over? Not talking about red light or speeding camera tickets. I'm talking about a police officer hits your plate and
2: sends the ticket in the mail. I have never heard of that, and I would fight that. Uh, <laughs> I would want to know under what jurisdiction can they just mail you tickets? He's
1: saying it. Sure, feels like harassment. Sure as hell I don't feels it like feels it. like harassment as much as that's it. one where you definitely want to lawyer up with your local uh, yeah. Sherman Helmsley or whatever. Sure, we have Sherman Ellison. We're going to
2: give our <laughs> wretched friend <laughs> I don't Sherman Ellison. Him.
1: I use I use Trent Copeland. But is he but good. These are lo- These are like traffic level lawyers who fight tickets, and you write them a check, and they go to court for you, and they they make stupid stuff like this go away.
2: Sherman Ellison's Travis really, is yeah, yeah, he's great. He's really good same at that. Thing, he's made deal. quite a career, and he does not reward my loyalty. He charges me ever increasing numbers. Um, oh really? Oh It's yeah. getting worse. I'm yeah. I'm still. I you know I have to tell you right now.
1: I have not had a ticket in years. At Why this would point. you say that? Because I don't believe in any of that crap I and knocking gonna, on wood and yeah. the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, you think okay, you think if I knock on
2: this piece of wood, it will or will not happen? No, but what you're what <clears> you're pointing <throat> out is that for someone that drives like you to not have had it safely for a long time, safely. your numbers up. It's
1: not. I have figured out
2: the system, and I cra- <laughs> to- oh, know. <laughs> oh, I've got figured out the system. This is, is very Fatsian. This is fanciesian. Yes, you you're cannot prove his theories with the results, and I have
1: results. Okay, here. I have but results. he
2: had systems to win at, at the horses, the dogs, the cars. No, no, he
1: lost constantly. We're yes, talking because about he Fats, my dad, yes, who's no he had longer here. You're, he's now a hummingbird. Yeah, and he was a, <laughs> no, he liked gambling. Here, look, I'm telling you, I think I'm. Going Going, I'm pushing into my fourth year without a ticket right now, which is really <laughs> uh, great for me. Oh, you're going to I get have fucked. bragged about it uh, I, a year ago, and even in that year, even in that year, I have not gotten a ticket. And I'll tell you what it is, all right? First of all, I do try to drive safely, <laughs> except oh. when I'm with you. <laughs> One. Oh. Two, ways. Yes, The, the yes, people okay. in LA, I love you because when they see a police officer, they put it on ways, and more often than not – it's That's there a big and that help. stops. I will tell you also, it feels like the city of LA is not putting up speed traps as much. Like we had that issue with surveys on Sunset where they weren't
2: illegally allowed to. Magical thinking Ferris in here.
1: It's not magical. I'm not seeing them. I'm not going through there. And furthermore, I'm I'm kind of chill on the road now. Let's see. Let's see. If a year from now, today, today. I'm to. Okay, let's. I'm driving today to the, the to the national hot, the national hot rod drag racing championship out to Pomona and back. I, I'll come back. I'm going to bet you,
2: listeners. I'm betting a hundred dollars right now. Ferriston will not make it the next 365 days without a movie violation.
1: Hey Siri. Uh, one year from today, remind me that Zuckerman owes me a hundred dollars for what. Now it put for what in there, Zuckerman?
2: So okay, <laughs> and you owe, you'll owe me a hundred dollars. But you don't. But know, the, the what is you? You're not going to know why. You're not going to remember, old man. Well, old man, you you need to put. I, I want to get on with a show here. I you know this that's not important. We'll be <laughs> sitting around like two idiots in a year and saying I won't what. care. Yeah, you do you just want- give
1: me a hundred bucks. You won't care. You've got a gold money counter. All right, here we go. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to jump into this question without reading it. If a part from a manufacturer has a well documented history of breaking, why is the customer expected to pay for it? Presumably, the part would be classified as defective. In my case, the charge pipe in my pre owned one M blew to smithereens within a week of yes. owning it. A very common issue with the N54 motor. Okay. This, But isn't that covered under warranty?
2: Well, person? no, because a, a 1M is old. It's out of warranty. My charge pipe blew out on me as well, and I replaced it with an aftermarket charge pipe that is made of some different material that will not explode. But he's asking why is he expected to pay for that? Okay. Was he the original purchaser? He of doesn't set? say, but let's assume he's, he's not. He's not. So he bought the car as from is. another owner as is. Where is – and this is like this is like the buyer beware thing. It's like what we know about timing chains and other things with different vehicles having known weak points. And this is one of the things that then goes into the resale value of a 1M. Um, and you learn that when you finally do replace that part, you have to use a, a, a subsequent manufacturer's part that is – That has the tolerances.
1: Areopolis wants to know, Mr. Zuckerman, he says, with an exclamation point, Mr. Zuckerman! Um and he's uh he's posing a hypothetical Mm. but it sounds like it actually happened to him uh what should i do if i were to get into an accident with someone i didn't feel safe sticking around say i felt the other person might get violent maybe they drive a truck with a lot of pro-gun bumper stickers and anti-porsche window decals like calvin pissing on the porsche crest if i stay what do i do if i go then where do i go who do i call Obviously, if you stay, you exchange information. Yeah. Can he leave the scene of an if accident? You, okay. I mean, here's here's a better question, Zuckerman. What, you know, and we dealt with it a level with this Kevin Hart accident, right? What constitutes leaving the scene of an accident and not? Like, is a fender bender leaving the scene of an accident criminally? Or is there a degree of accident that you can't leave?
2: Well, certainly if you... Well, we get into all sorts of speculation. Obviously, he's saying he's afraid. So that means that the other driver is not dead. You couldn't leave a dead person. You'd be in a lot of trouble for that. Right. I would say that if you got into an accident with somebody and you really had an honest belief that this person was going to do violence, you would probably be best to drive to the closest police station while calling The police and saying look I was in an accident I'm worried that this person might be violent I'm headed to the closest police department and that way you've covered your ass that you're not fleeing the scene of an an accident you're showing your good intention so what you want to do is you don't want to – if you have to flee, you don't want to just drive home, lock the door, and hide under the bed and wait out the amount right, of right. alcohol. Right, you want to do the right thing. You but, want wait, the... but
1: you know what I'm saying. Say I'm driving up the street and I hit somebody's side mirror and, and break it off and then keep going. Yeah. Am I leaving the scene of an yes, accident? Yes, you are. You should sit. You always have to <clears throat> So exchange. I am criminally liable in that situation, even though I we know it's I'm not going to get prosecuted. But am I technically – Yes, you
2: can't damage somebody's property and just take off and go, ha-ha, I got away with it. Nobody <laughs> I saw me. I, go, ha, ha, ha. I, gotta, I said, ah, I've got other stuff to no, do. You gotta, you have to exchange. Now, once I've exchanged information, okay, I've given my name and my insurance company, the other driver, uh, he wants me to stay there for the police or whatever. Fuck you! I'm leaving. Okay, I'm not staying around just because you want to stay around. I'm going to stay. Yeah, this was. Remember the other day I got rear-ended. Yeah, this guy rear-ended me. I said I don't think it did anything, Uh, and I said give me your information, and and then I left. He wanted to stay. I don't know why. Didn't he want your information? Well, yeah, and I was. I probably should have given my info, but (laughs) you didn't, right? You know, I said to him. He was so, he kept saying I didn't do anything. Oh, and, and I just, that's not the point. Just give me your information. And then he said, I'm being rude. I said, I think it's rude that you hit me. And then <laughs> I, got, I said, just let me have a, 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 you know, I said, just give me your driver's license and your insurance. I'll take pictures. If there's an issue, you'll hear from me. And then I was walking away and he said to me, what about your information? And I said, I'll give you my information when I hit you. And, <laughs> 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 and
1: that was it. That was it. Yeah, what is he going to do? Call the police and go. The guy I hit wouldn't give me this information, right. right? And you, you know, at this point, you don't really need it. But, but, but uh, here's another thing not to do: don't stop in the middle of the road yeah, and freeze over. the accident. God. This is very important that you don't hold on. You don't have to freeze like a game of freeze tag in the road and block the road. You can safely get off to the side, get out of your cars, and do
2: your business. Stop that, right? Let tell everybody they don't legally need to stay no, frozen. You got, just get over. And here's what I'm going to say. Most people are are honest at the seat of the accident. I'm going to encourage people. Go on, make a little video or write something out that says whose fault is whose fault or whatever. End the situation right there. It's, it's later on that people – so if you are not at fault so- – Get somebody to You're
1: saying if it's it's friendly, get them to admit fault at the scene because
2: later they start changing their story. Yeah, yeah, because when they realize what's going to happen financially, then they start to (laughs) think about (laughs) how it's your damn fault that you stopped so fast and I rear-ended you. Right, because I've heard you just don't say anything. You don't admit fault. That's your insurance company who's trying to preserve their opportunity not to pay and further fuck over the person who's not at fault. You know, the guy said to me that pissed me off. I got out. and I said, what's wrong with you? And he said, it was just an accident. It was just an accident. Well, I've been driving for how many years? 40 years or something. I haven't rear-ended anybody. I better don't- knock on wood, that- Zuckerman. Come yes. on. Yes, I'm due.
1: I'm due. I almost did. But I didn't you know like car his almost- dismissive attitude. <laughs> the Aston Martin, I almost hit about a dozen people. <laughs> that thing is so fast. and out of control. It was just, yeah, it's fast and out of control and fun. Boy, I missed that car. That was fun car. How can I legally pursue the trucks throwing rocks behind them and smashing
2: my windshield God. on the freeway? Well, I you know am the Italian is asking that question. Okay, so you definitely, if you can get their license plate, if they are, if they are dropping rocks out of their truck. Now, if they're just kicking up gravel from the roadway, you're following too closely, and you're and you're not being very smart, being behind a truck. I won't be behind a truck that's pinging me with gravel. Right. But if something's coming off of the truck. And then you are able then to get their plate or their identification, and you could make a claim against them. In theory, you could make a claim against your, your glass policy or your insurance company, and it's not your fault if you said that this <coughs> truck dumped a whole bunch of shit mm-hmm. on you and you couldn't get their um, information. There you go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I like that. In California, insurance only goes up if you're the at-fault party.
1: Got it. My father is a lawyer. He was semi-upset I didn't follow in his footsteps. (laughs) Oh, well. You have a lot of personal experience with this one. Yes. How would you feel about your children practicing law? Well, they probably are going to. I happen to know that. Would you encourage or discourage that decision? I think more interestingly, zuckerman what well, your dad was a doctor right yeah
2: he loathed personal injury and right and what did you become a personal injury lawyer. <laughs> but there didn't you, you wait
1: till his passing to pursue that or no not? no
2: no i started he was alive <laughs> do you, you think know, that was just a rebellious reaction on your part it's just the way the world works shakespeare wrote about this stuff right i mean
1: this is well usually you do can't... what your dad does i mean aren't you more prone to do that did you ever consider being a doctor i
2: almost was a doctor my mom's a nurse my grandfather's a gynecologist and uh, okay in my world Jewish Long Island, you were going to be a doctor or a lawyer? Doctor, lawyer, doctor, lawyer. Nobody told me about movies. Nobody told me about finance. (laughs) Nobody. It was just a doctor or a lawyer. And I was not about to go through medical school. And I really don't like uh, the human body uh, if it doesn't belong to me. Yeah. So, no, it was. Law school was I was destined to be, I, it, oh, the, yeah, the, right. but the choice of profession was interesting in light of his loathing of. But you found your exact right spot. Exactly, like you
1: found your exact. That's right exactly spot. That's exactly right. You talk like the people you help. Yes, right.
2: Thank right. you, You're... Kings
1: Park High School in New York. <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts on the legality and liability of Tesla's smart summon, which is, you know, you press your button or you hit your app. I don't know how it works. And the Tesla comes across the parking lot to ah. you and picks
2: you up. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I hear I hear the angels sing and the cash bells ring. Thank you very much, Tesla. It's such a bad idea. Um, it
1: is, right? This
2: is such a bad idea. And,
1: and Tesla. They're the ones that yeah. you go after right when it yeah. runs over the cat or something. runs
2: or- over anybody. Okay.
1: This is one you may not know. Um, but where is the line on fraud, which may not be the right word, when buying from a private seller? Since most states consider as-is, it seems to be uh, a high bar. However, there have to be examples of when their knowledge of something material that they didn't share with you is
2: considered fraud. Example, Absolutely. a major mechanical issue or prior accident damage. Yes, and you've answered your own question by saying that if you buy as-is, it's a hard bar to overcome unless you can prove that the seller affirmatively concealed some very uh, dispositive items from you. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like a, you know, this is why in the olden days there were no salvage titles. It didn't notify buyers about the history of the car. Now there's a salvage title, but we know you can wash those titles by going out of state to funny little Alabama. states. Alabama. <laughs> maybe New Hampshire. I don't know. It re, you know, it, I, every time I hear about that, I
1: get really – I really want to just go live in places like that where I could do that. Imagine the stuff we could put on the road, right? Oh, God. But imagine <laughs> having to live there. I like New Hampshire. I've never been to Alabama, but I would imagine there's probably, you know, I like canoes and fishing and stuff. It'd be all right. As long as there's not a lot of humidity. Right? I hate it. <laughs> I hate snow, too. New Hampshire's beautiful. It's I, cold it, as hell. New Hampshire but is... But they got those really cool, like, highway co- alcohol stops that yeah, are really package great. liquor Packies, stores. Packies. Yeah. Packies. And uh, they've got covered bridges. I, I think you're doing a service today, Zach. I mean, you're helping people. You're giving them free legal advice. How long should a medical malpractice lawsuit take? Start to finish, finish average. Oh, I can only... Says Jim talk- Corkle... Mr. Corkle. Jim Corkle, 25, which means there are 24 other Jim Corkles, at least. Yes. Corkle the
2: 25th. (laughs) Corkle. Corkle. Yes, Swiggins. Yes. Corkle 25. (laughs) Okay. Señor Corkle, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to answer this as if this is in California. Okay. And I'm going to tell you that lawsuits can take a couple of years, sometimes shorter, sometimes longer. So in a very general question like that. In the state of California, a lawsuit could go on a couple of years before you prevail. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
1: wow. Sounds about right. Yep. Six months after my trip to Italy. <laughs> this is good. We'll be dealing with this soon. I got a speeding ticket. Oh. Paid the fines online. Surprise! the Italians are online. Another month later, I got another for their ZTL zone in Florence. These are all these speed cameras, yes. right? If I don't pay... Will I not be able to rent a car anymore when I visit Italy? I know you may not be familiar with their traffic code, but you guys
2: are well travelled. Well, I will tell you <laughs> I, I don't think Interpol is gonna come knocking on your door. But I will I I got one of those tickets last summer in Corsica, wow. which I promptly threw in the trash. <laughs> so so we're gonna find out if I go back. I will have to let you know in the next year or How two. How much was the ticket for? I don't it was eight Euros. I it's, just, it's right in the trash, it was right? It right in the trash. I wasn't about to figure out how to deal with what this. What are the odds that
1: the Italians have connected that to anything, right? <laughs> zero, you know, I don't think. Okay, so then – These are happy, wine-drinking people who don't read the news. It, you know, we'll deal with it when we get there. Yes. I love that. All right, let me see if we can find one more question because I think Mr. Boutros is arriving. Oh, this is a common question that you and I always talk about. How do I fight speeding camera tickets? There is no way uh, that that stuff is on the up and up. And they're right. It's so confusing because here in L.A. you hear they're illegal and they can't do it. Yet we all get these tickets. Right. And I and I, I I'm pretty sure my lawyer has gotten me off. No, but you know what? He didn't get me off one in Culver City. He said there's no way you can beat the Culver City camera, which I don't know what it means. And the and the, the stuff that you read is because there's not a police officer writing the ticket, you can't give it, right? And so there are these contradictory – almost like the marijuana selling laws in California where it's illegal but it's they're
2: doing it. And you, you know it, what I'm saying? Yeah, I think in some of the – It's confusing. It's confusing. I remember Beverly Hills had a problem because they were not calibrating their cameras regularly such that they had reliability for for legal sufficiency. I do not believe that these camera tickets constitute a moving violation. I'm not going to say But swear you're right. That. I think the defense we
1: had was they. when was the last calibration. Right. And, and, so they, and they said it had been, just been done, so they were actually doing the calibrations, right. and that so was the only loophole. Then you're screwed. <laughs>
2: right. So I don't know. I just got one in Beverly Hills. You could picture my face too. Yeah. Um and I'm going to see what to do with it. I'm going to make a couple of calls so we can revisit this in a few weeks after <clears throat> after right. I look into it. Don't forget. I'll put it on that reminder a year yeah. from now.
1: Siri. <laughs> Remind <your> Sukhobin <laughs> to say something. <laughs> what? Uh, All right. Please talk about diminished uh, value claims from accidents. The insurance company uses a standard formula which maxes compensation to 10% of the car's current value, which seems artificial and meant to limit proper compensation
2: for cars like Porsches, Ferraris, etc. Anything exotic or pricey? Well, this is interesting. Again, in California, if I'm in an accident my insurance company has an obligation to re- return my vehicle to as close to pre-accident condition as possible. I cannot <clears> make in California a claim for diminished value against my insurance company. However, I can make a claim against the at-fault party for diminished value because if my car can't be returned to pre-accident condition, which, you know, it can't. It's a wrecked car. Uh, and, and so then it's just a question of what is the – the diminution in value. And remember, for our friend Mr. John uh, with the McLaren, we were able to get quite a diminution of value <clears> there. Correct. It, you have to be the owner. If you're the, if you're leasing the vehicle, you're not the proper party to claim a diminution of value. You're not the, the bank owner. The does. Yeah. So in California, you can make that claim against the opposing party, and assuming they have enough coverage, you can do quite well on it. What happens? If you are a passenger in a rideshare, you love these questions.
1: Uber, let's say, is rear ended and you are hurt. Does the passenger deal with the rear ender,
2: the driver, or the rideshare company's insurer? Uh. So, in, in California, the first thing you do is go to the at fault driver and his insurance. So, the person that rear ends you is responsible. But fortunately, if that person doesn't have a lot of insurance, the rideshare uh, programs have a very large coverage for uninsured, underinsured motorist coverage, and you can get additional coverages. Uh, In fact, uh, we did so well with those that the insurance company for Uber has left the market. They will not be (laughs) writing Uber policies anymore. What if
1: I have the bad Uber driver that causes the Oh, then
2: unlimited coverage, ka-ching. I've gotten millions. Oh, right. Here's my problem with rideshare drivers. Uber, for example, if you're the driver, you have to use their – Navigation app, either Maps, Waze, or Ubers at Navigation. Those programs tell, you the, fa- tell the driver the fastest way, not necessarily the safest way. Right, right. So the drivers are unfamiliar <clears throat> with where they're going, yep. and they don't realize that they're taking a small, uncontrolled side street across... 10 lanes of traffic on Olympic or Wilshire, uh, and it, it doesn't necessarily promote safe outcomes. Don't get me started on these people. They are they're the number
1: one terror on the road in L.A. I well, can't. It's just pull from, the, over from, the, from the bad U-turns, the ba- from stopping in the middle of the road to get yeah. directions. That It makes me crazy. I it, uh, it makes me crazy. I well, agree. anyway, that was fun, Zarkman. I, I think we'll do more of this when we have more time. Um, when we come back, Paul Boutros is going to be here with Marlon brandos apocalypse now rolex GMT, and you'll hear all Kurt. about it so how do you know your motor oil isn't good enough to protect your engine well you don't but one brand does because they literally go the extra mile to test everything. I'm talking about our friends Valvoline. Valvoline, that's right. They're the only motor oil brand in the world with an engine lab completely dedicated to testing motor oil. They take all the products, their competitors' products, and run them through the gauntlet. I'm talking thousands of miles. Then their engineers and technicians take those engines apart piece by piece to evaluate exactly what happened. Was there carbon buildup? How did the seals hold? Did the engine perform like it was supposed to? Most importantly, were the critical engine components protected? So when Valvoline is formulating motor oil for your engine, they know exactly how it performs and what protects it best because they've seen the results firsthand. It's why I trust Valvoline in all my cars. Head on over to Valvoline.com slash Spike to see what products are right for you. Valvoline.com forward slash Spike. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. Come on in. Paul Boutros just walked in from phillips watch it's good to see you again sir welcome back thank you so much this is exciting it's uh it's friday here for us and you've brought watches now first before they're in a a little velvet box here and they're covered with little velvet cleaners he's got such a
2: smile on his face but let's set
1: the let's set it up for our audience all right because i i didn't do my homework today no problem what you're from phillips Right, and you guys are the guys who sold the world record uh, Daytona, right? Exactly. That was just broken, by the way, wasn't it? Was it? just broken for a, wrist, for a watch. Okay, yes. so tell us
0: first about that sale. I know it wasn't your sale, or was it? So, so um, last weekend in Geneva, a Patek Philippe wristwatch uh, made for charity, and uh, with all proceeds going to charity, the only watch uh, charitable auction that takes place every two years right. in Geneva. It was a Patek Philippe Grandmaster Chime. Unique piece with a salmon dial and a stainless steel case. I saw it. Beautiful. 31 million Swiss francs it which, sold for. How many so, dollars is that? It's $31 million. 31 million. So it's the same, equal. Wow. <laughs> um, that, so that that broke the record. That did. For any wristwatch. Wow. Uh, we held the record until then with the sale of the Paul Newman Rolex Paul Newman Daytona. Right. Okay. Uh, which took place in October 2017 at Phillips in New York. Uh, about two years ago, in the winning icons sale, and that watch sold for seventeen point eight million. Your right, sale's more right, legitimate. Right. It's
1: <laughs> not a. It's not a charity. It's not a tax write off. No, but yeah, are, is that a tax write off? Like n-
0: the this, this, the this only watch it, it, possible, Possibly. especially in Europe.
1: Right. Yeah, so, what, what would be the move? So you you put you take the big tax deduction, right,
0: and then you kind of sell it on the other side um, quietly. It was probably bought by a collector. Right. Who, who would say um, the retail price was X, which is a fair market value, and the difference between what he paid see, and the I retail see. price, which was probably is about $2 million, dollars, that could possibly be the, the deduction. Oh, amazing.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, I, you know, Patek collectors, you know, huge. Okay, now. So we're we've here. got something very exciting here. So now your auction is when? December 10th. Okay. In New York. In New York. It's called Game Changers. Okay. And this is the you know it's a perfect time. you're in New York, it's the holidays. people are uh, feeling you know they've had a good year, they've got money, not us, but other people. <laughs> they, they've, they've been laundering money and they've got the savings from laundering it and they go, I want to get something special for me. I want to buy me the best present, and your auction is going to be that place right Yes. so
0: what is the what's the theme of this auction? so we were very fortunate. To get some exceptional timepieces owned by people who can be considered game changers in their fields. Okay. So it really started with Jack Nicholas's Rolex Day Date, which he owned and wore for 50 years. He received it as a gift from Rolex in 1967. So when that watch was announced that Jack Nicholas wanted to auction it, I hunted him down. Uh, because I thought uh, Phillips could uh, help him very hunting. well, <laughs> and, and we we found a way to get to him. <laughs> and, <laughs> to get uh, to human hunters, <laughs> <laughs> human hunters. <laughs> and I murdered we, him and <laughs> took the watch. I mean, we we resonated strongly with his cause, the Nicholas Children's Healthcare Foundation that he right. founded with his his wife Barbara, and um, it, it's such a noble cause. And and the watch was donated to the charity, and the charity is actually auctioning the watch, and we're donating our profits for it. But we had Jack Nicholas's watch, we had. The Marlon Brando Rolex uh, da- uh, GMT Master that was worn in Apocalypse Now, that came to us. Who had that? That's, uh, That's his, cool his daughter. So his he, gave, daughter. he gave the watch to his daughter, Petra Brando Fisher. And on her wedding night, she gave it to her husband back in two thousand and three. Are they still and, married? Uh, they're still married. Oh, and, and uh, look—you're
2: such <laughs> a bad. Dude, this first thing I thought of, but I wasn't going to say that. Why? <laughs> because that's—it's
1: relevant yes. to the conversation. I'm trying to. Do you know what lot that is? It's lot number thirty. Thirty. Wow. Do look you at have you. It here with Amazing you? that you know. We that. do. Wait, hold on. I want to look at a picture of it first. Oh yeah. There, well, that, no, it's not.
0: Oh yeah, it's this guy. Let me see.
1: This is not what I can. Cont- this doesn't look like a normal GMT here.
0: But. Right, and and there's That's a reason for it. And if you scroll down on the left, the pictures on the left side, okay, you'll see images of Brando wearing the watch in Apocalypse oh, Now see. See. in that configuration right oh, there. Oh yeah, there he is. And that that oh, those yeah. pictures were taken on the set during the filming by Mary Ellen Mark. And um, I'm on Phillips.com if you guys want to check this out. All the pictures are there. So he 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 Marlon Brando, believe it or not, was a watch guy similar to Paul Newman, mm-hmm. uh, in his own way. And he shows up to the set in the Philippines during the shooting of uh, Apocalypse <laughs> Now wearing a Rolex GMT Master with a bezel with a, you know, the, the numerals that indicate a second time zone. The producers thought it was too distracting how Colonel Kurtz and his character would never wear a Rolex. But Marlon pushed back and he said, look, if they're paying more attention to my watch, I'm not doing my job as an actor. So he compromised and removed the bezel on the spot during the filming, and that's how the watch remains. Oh, so that's why
1: it looks like this, That's why right? it looks like that. So you know what a 1675 right. is, a Pepsi bezel, right? Right. Well, you know what that is. So, well, that presents like an interesting you – know, it's so, an interesting story. Do you, so you
0: want to put that bezel back on there and make it look like a GMT? You, you could because the bezel – if you want a bezel, we could find one for 1000 or $2,000. But – This is how the watch was given to his daughter. Right.
1: Yeah. No, when I saw it, I was immediately scratching my head. It looks weird. Everyone will go, that's your conversation starter if you own the watch. Right. And then with these beautiful
0: pictures. But there's a secret that this watch held. Okay. So Petra and Russell, Russell is Petra Brando's husband. Okay. When they heard the news uh, following the uh, world record result of the Paul Newman sale, they realized that they have something special. This watch was sitting in a drawer unused. They support charitable causes, and they figured, you know what? We could put this watch to better use and raise funds for charity, uh, and it'll be better appreciated by a collector, someone who loves mm-hmm. film, someone who loves watches. And they decided to sell it. So she reached out to me in a cryptic email. Hello, Paul. I found your name doing some research. I think I have something of great interest to Phillips. And it was that was it. And that statement, I think, has something of great interest to Phillips, motivated me to respond to her immediately. We spoke on the phone. The email was from Petra Fisher. It didn't say Petra Brando Fisher. Right. I Google search Petra Fisher. Nothing comes up. So I talked to her, and then she says – I'm Petra Brando Fisher, and I said, "Oh, <laughs> my, my I'm uh, Petra Brando, motherfucking!" Fisher. I'm, I'm the daughter of Marlon Brando. My jaw wow. drops. I'm trying to keep my cool. Yeah, and then she, she says exactly what I was hoping she would say because the watch that Marlon Brando wore in Apocalypse Now is considered one of the was considered one of the greatest lost watches of modern time. Really? Times. Wow! Really? I didn't know this. Yes. And what she said. Paul, I have the watch my father wore in Apocalypse no Now, and I almost fell out of my chair. And, of course, I'm keeping my excitement contained, and I'm, <laughs> I'm like, Patrick, could you please send me pictures because the pictures tell a thousand words. I didn't right. know if it was beat up, if it was destroyed, if I had a replaced dial. She sends it to me. I open the pictures, and I see the watch looking great from the front. And then the second picture I opened was a secret that no one knew until that moment. He hand-engraved his signature. On the case back, oh, M. Period Brando. Wow! And I was just oh, floored. Boy. I couldn't there believe you it. That's and what it's you wanted. extraordinary. And what
1: what else comes with the watch aside
0: for I'm sure a statement that she's made about the history of the watch? Exactly. So two letters. One from Petra Brando talking about the history of the watch, how she received it, her father's love of time. And how obsessed he was with time and how he wore multiple watches uh, on occasion. Did he ever wear two at the same time? He did. He (laughs) would wear one on the left wrist... And one on the right wrist, keeping really? track of time in Los Angeles, and on the watch on the right wrist would keep track of time either in London or Tahiti.
1: Now that if he put the G, if he put the GMT bezel on, he
0: could do that without having to wear which. Two but watches. the GMT Master was perfect for it. So <laughs> right. he he had he you had, had just thought, well, why don't I do that instead of wearing eight watches? So he had a daily wearing GMT Master, he another sixteen seventy five that he wore every day, and it, we saw it. It's with Caroline Barrett, the mother of Petra Fisher, Petra Brando Fisher, and. It's not a watch for auction because it had a replaced dial. It has no engravings. Right. This particular one was his special piece. He wore it only on special occasions. Wow. Kept it in a closet in his room. Mm-hmm. Took it out um, and uh, he wore it for the graduation of uh, Petra when she finished undergrad at Brown University. He wore it then, uh, and it's. Really well preserved. The and watch you, has you, hardly anywhere. You have it here today. We have it here today. So the game changers theme comes from these guys, Jack Nicklaus, greatest golfer of all time. Hey,
2: look, look at him. He's looking so like the a way he right tells now. the story. It's. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, Mr. Butros is an excellent story Yeah, teller, well, an yeah, excellent and we salesman. We love being sold on things. Yes, right? yes. It's so special. I would give my life for this <laughs>
0: watch right now. Or his life. You guys. <laughs> whose <laughs> life should we give? For I assure you, you're going to love it. The watch. You didn't arrive with your security guard today yes. in your briefcase some guys in the elevator to clobber you <laughs> they're, <Ukrainians>. they're, they're <laughs> not far behind me <laughs> good um, so here we go all right I'm unveiling the two of them slowly oh, magic wow. Jack look Nicholas at... is here Marlon Brando is here game changers in every way look at the patina on that watch I gotta get find a way to get an angle on it without a reflection so because the watch beautiful, was beautiful creamy for looms. for years in a drawer it developed that beautiful beige patina. Mm-hmm. The case has all of the f- original factory finish where you've got these perfect bevels, the original brush surfaces on the tops of the lugs, the polished case sides, the chamfer that goes all the way throughout the case. It's all factory original, never polished. And then the on magic the side. is Marlin's own signature done with his own hand with an electric engraver pen.
1: That is the wrong button, Spike. Don't you hate that when you go to what take a, gorgeous, a picture? What just, year
0: is that watch? So the watch was made in nineteen seventy two. The filming of Apocalypse Now is in nineteen seventy-six. Wow. So he now never do you think he did now. It's funny. It looks like he did the engraving himself. He with, did. With his own hand. So he he was funny in the sense that he loved to personalize his own things. So we've seen recorders. <laughs> With his name, Marlon, property of Marlon Brando, with his full address that he etched with a knife. Wow. So, because he had a tendency to do that, somebody gifted him an engra- electric engraver pen. He did this in front of uh, Petra's mom. So, he gets his new pen, engraves M. Brando on the case back, and then turns to Caroline Barrett, so Petra's mom. Cool. Give me your watch, I want to engrave yours. She said, Get away from me. <laughs> Can
1: but, I, let me hold the watch there for a second.
0: Now, it's not on a bracelet. And if you look at the back of the lugs, All four lugs You'll see no trace of a bracelet Having ever been fitted So it looks like Marlon knew How to tinker with watches And when he bought this new He had them remove the bracelet immediately And put it on a rubber strap The strap that's on it now Is not the same strap that was in the movie Apocalypse Now but a rubber strap that Caroline Barrett bought for him, probably in the 1980s, when the old strap yeah, got a tropic strap. Of some yeah, kind. when the old strap. So this got, was the the strap that was on the watch. Uh, it's a similar style. So she replaced the, the strap <clears throat> later on after the movie. Wow! All right, and now we we've got to move on here because I got to jump out at 10 o'clock. Um,
1: Beautiful. What, huh? what else do we oh. have
0: here? So we have probably the most viewed watch ever. Worn on the wrist of Jack Nicklaus for 50 years. Right. The winner of 18 majors. He wore this watch for 12 of the 18 since he received it in 1967. It was his first watch ever. He got it as a gift from Rolex in 67. And uh, in 2017, after wearing it for so long, he decided, you know what? I don't want to give it to my children who will never wear it. I'm going to donate it to my charity and we're going to sell it to raise funds for the Nicholas Children's Healthcare Foundation. Wow, that's cool. Um, and this is uh lot number 18. Lot number 18, symbolic in 18 majors, 18 holes in golf. And um, and here again, lots of shots. What we love is like the Vic
1: Elford photographs. The lots of shots of him with his trophy, wearing the watch. He made sure to make sure on these swings when he's holding the trophy <laughs> that his watch is visible. It was really like his a companion, true watch guy. his true watch
0: guy. He loved the watch. Here is he, him uh, later on in life wearing it. Wow. This yeah, is great. He got he got other watches in his lifetime, but this was his go to watch, and it's an 18 karat gold, yellow gold day date Rolex day date uh, on a president 36 bracelet, 36 millimeters exactly, 36 millimeters with a kind of special dial where the hour markers are tapered and faceted, sort of reminiscent of golf tees. Oh yeah, it's ha- hardly ever seen and. uh it's the original dial, the original case, uh, in just really lovely. Uh, oh, but all yeah, proceeds for charity, even Phillips' buyer's premium, will be go- going to well, his charity. that's great. If you're a golfer and you like Jack Nicholas and you like watches, that's
1: something to be casually wearing on the uh, on the green. Zuckerman, look at you taking pictures. I, I'm just
2: stunned by by the beauty the of these watches. Watches, yes, the The Brando, Brando watch like, is great. The Brando watch is like nothing we love better.
0: Estimate? We have not determined the estimate yet. It, it says in the catalog, Estimate on Request. And, and now we're on the fourth stop of our world tour here in Los Angeles. The watches right. have just come from Geneva. We were and where, there this what weekend. does that mean? Where do you go? So we are you going we, in L.A. here? We're, sure. we're at LeClerc, um, not too far, about five minutes away, showing the watches to our clients who are here uh, on right, the West right. Coast. So we're on view for two days with 75, all the lots in the sale. Uh, and clients can come see the watches, examine their condition, speak to us about their history. Right. Uh, it's what we do when you auction a watch with Philips, We take them to our cities where our best clients are, so that they get a, a sense and um, are able to hold and assess their quality.
1: Yeah, I mean it's 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 movie memorabilia, and it's also you know watch history, and it really you know. It's one of my favorite movies, right? Yeah, I it's, never really, it's really connected the really watch cool. to the guy until this moment, right? <laughs> Those scenes are so intense. So intense. I even,
0: yeah, and I don't even think
1: Rolex was on my radar when I first saw the movie, but God.
0: And you this know. is the 40th anniversary of Apocalypse Now, um, <laughs> coincidentally. Um, and what we learned is that Marlon Brando's signatures are extremely rare. He never signed autographs. Uh-huh. So to find anything signed by Marlon Brando. It's it's not easy.
2: Ding, 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 ding. ding. The price <laughs> every time this guy opens his mouth,
0: the value of the watch goes
2: up masterfully done, Mr. Boutros. Masterful. There's also
1: some other great stuff in here, you guys. Yes. So the so auction we, is when? December tw- December 10th. December 10th yeah. in, in New York. York City.
0: On the 9th of December, we'll have a cocktail and panel session with Jack Nicholas with Petra Brando. I'll be on the panel, hosted by CNBC. Uh, we'll be talking about these watches we'll be talking wow. about. Uh, the legacy of, there. You've of got, Marlin. You have got there.
1: You have got military subs.
0: Yep. We have two there. CIA watches with, with clear provenance. We have a Submariner, a uh, Big Crown James Bond Submariner that was found at the bottom of Lake Erie, who sat there for 20 years and survived. Wow. And the uh, owner thought for 25 years it was a fake and just kept it in his closet until <laughs> his friend said, you got to call Paul. I think you got something <laughs> special. Calls me and I said, you, your watch is worth 80000 to 160000 Wow. And
1: uh, the guy was Well, I'm looking floored. at this 6263 and the estimates 80 to 160. Those those that, things have really moved.
0: That's retailed by Tiffany and Company, that ah, particular one. Oh, it's
1: got a Tiffany dial. Yeah. I never understood the Tiffany dial. I really I have to say As someone wearing a watch I don't really want to
0: have The word Tiffany On my wrist It's a, definitely A personal taste thing <laughs> uh, It's, a, it's I know, a, Not that anybody can see it <laughs> It adds more text To the dial which And look is, at this You have a Tudor snowflake These are one of my f- I have a, a Tudor Marine Nationale um, Oh yes So similar reference The Marine Nationale Is is very special know, It's a military
1: 8,000 eight 16,000 Beautiful blue I dial that, I picked up that watch For a couple grand Oh you did great Just because I liked The way it looked and They gave me the certificates And the whole deal yeah, Incredible
0: it. Now it's worth Significantly more uh, with Whoa, the we'll mil- talk about mil- military after. background. Really? I Whoa. just,
1: you know, again, love the way it looks. You also have this, uh, these have been on my radar
0: lately, the Universal Compacts. Yes, so we have the exotic Nina there, the, the rarest configuration of watch. the Universal. Comes from the original owner, it does? Who, who was a wow. sailboat. Uh, it's very
1: Daytona like in its presentation, Holy right? It's but beautiful. a little more 70s. And,
0: and the price is quite good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Estimate is 10 to 20. Wow, a lot of great stuff. I'm going to be in New York, but not for this auction. Unfortunately, I'm going to be there a week after. I would oh, totally it's too bad. come here, take my Discover card out, we got a couple of special stuff. Paul
0: Newman Daytonas, three of them. One is a Paul Newman Lemon. The other is a John Player Special, both fresh to the market. Uh, the Those Lemon. Are, yeah, this is a gold watch, though. A 6241 reference, right? It's John Player Special, yes. Oh, that's it. With Estimate the, there? 350, 350 to, 700. to 700. That's serious. Big numbers. Big yeah, numbers with local. the original guarantee. Wow. And, and unpolished, perfect dial. Um, we have two extraordinary Patek Philippe watches, both fresh to the market, a 1518 uh, perpetual calendar chronograph with a pink gold case and pink dial. Estimate starts at $1.2 million. Wow. And uh, 24 dollars the successor reference, it's... previously unknown, probably unique, estimate starts at $1 million. So game changers in the field of watchmaking, <coughs> those, those references Fantastic. are. Fantastic.
1: Give uh, before you go. Uh, our listeners who are just uh, entering the watch buying uh, phase of their life. what What's the best advice you can give them for as far as buying a watch? What are they looking for when they're looking for collectible watches?
0: First and foremost, buy what you love. Go to stores, go to auction previews, try the watches on, see how they fit your wrist. Then focus on those brands that appeal to your sensibilities, uh, but look for brands who do things um, in their own original ways, that they're not derivative. They're not copying other brands' creations, mm-hmm. but they're doing their own well, thing. St-
1: say they know. Say they want to get into vintage Rolex and vintage Hoyer, or vintage Tudor. What? How do they find the good ones as opposed to maybe the put together's or the other ones? How? Do, how can they be sure of that stuff? It, so it
0: it, it re- really, if you're going to do it on your own, it takes a lot of research and education and really study before you buy. However, you can always come to an auction preview, meet us, a specialist, give us an email. Mm -hmm. We'll be happy to talk you through what's good and what's bad, but also deal with good dealers, dealers who will stand behind their products, and they're out there. Will
1: Bob, you know, papers guarantee that the watch is good or not?
0: No. The, the, the papers can be easily faked mm. and uh, <laughs> it, more easily faked than a watch. Really? Yeah. So be careful.
1: How do they do that? Just by copying down somebody, some other serial number and just you yeah, know, you, saying you, this is, you, came you, with that?
0: You can find blank papers on eBay and then people handwrite. Uh, wow, the numbers. Well, so who yeah.
1: who who are the guys? You know, there's just like known guys, like there are in the Porsche community that know their stuff and yes. they're honest dealers, you, you, and you
0: can you can trust them. Guys, so like they
1: can look inside and go, "This is not right." Or uh, is right.
0: yeah, it, it, we're all human. Sometimes we make mistakes. but right. If a mistake is made and, and they sell you a watch that turns out to be not correct, they will stand behind it and always give you your money back. Right. Those right. are the kinds of dealers you want to uh, work with. Cool. Um,
1: well, man, thank you for coming in. This is exciting. Thanks Why for having me.
0: I've just lost millions of dollars. <laughs>
1: at this. Zucker- look what Zuckerman's got. His newest purchase from Hodinkee. Oh, great watch. It's 5512. That had some papers with it, right? Yes, but now, well, what? Well, uh, well you no, can trust it, it, Ben Klein. It, it, yes, it's a good <laughs> no, source. Dinky, wow, fantastic.
0: you got a good one. It's a nice the one, right? The case is really sharp. That watch is Beautiful delicious. patina, great dial. Isn't it beautiful? Well, well done.
1: Good.
0: If he wanted to get a box for that. Uh, you could find them. Yeah. Uh, it's seventies. 70s. 70s. Were box, boxes all the same for the early Rolexes? The Submariners, the sport watches were pretty much all the same, okay. different than the than the uh, dress watches, uh, but you could find them. $300, $400, yeah. and Hodinkee can source it. Yeah. For, and by the way, paper is more important than the box.
1: For sure. Because yeah. you're going to just put that, a, you can put that watch anywhere, but that watch yeah. is lovely.
0: It, it's all about the watch. In this case, that watch is gorgeous. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. What a win. What a win. Well, thank you,
1: Mr. Boutros, thank for coming much, and visiting us. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Really great to see you once Come again. Come back again when you have some other cool stuff. Uh, that's it for everybody. We'll see you next week on Spike's Car Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every
1: Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. Well, as we head into the back half of the NFL season, it's always a bittersweet moment. So much great football is behind us, but the good news, there's a lot of football in front of us. The NFL playoff push, college football playoff arguments, and soon enough, bowl season. Bowl season. I don't know why I said it like that. But if you're looking to add some excitement, make dsi.com your betting partner using BetDSI's live betting platform where you can watch all the events and even bet all the games until the final whistle. Now new members get a 100% bonus match using the promo code SPIKE101. That's it. Just put in SPIKE101 and you double your money to start winning today. Why choose BetDSI? They've been paying winners for over 20 years. They are the top-rated site on betting review websites. You can use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash This week, new members get a 100% bonus match using the promo code SPIKE101. That's double your money. Once again, go to betdsi.com and use promo code SPIKE101 and get this limited time 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash. It's only a game. Until you bet it at DSI. Attention, true crime lovers. If you haven't checked it out yet, be sure to catch up with the Hit Reels channel podcast, Murder Made Me Famous. Join crime reporter Steve Helling and those involved in the cases as they examine the most infamous crimes imaginable to unravel the twisted personalities that were thrust into the spotlight, including the Green River Killer, Jeffrey Dahmer, the real Zuckerman, and Jack the Ripper. Download new episodes of Murder Made Me Famous every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One.